Good morning. Good morning to all of you. How are you today? Good, good. It's always good to be in the house of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, just before I came up to service yesterday, I was preparing the sermon, and on the way up, uh, you know, one of the children ministry worker uh, took my temperature, and she um, was surprised because uh, it was already thirty-seven point something. Then they said it's uh, already past their threshold, and then they said, you know, they wanted to send me home. <laughs> Too bad they couldn't find my parents' contact, and. Uh, I was thinking to myself, you know, well, it's a good idea, but then I remembered I had to preach. So here I am. Well, Chinese New Year is finally over, okay? And, um, you know, no more all the makans, no unending makans, no more feastings, and no more those loud tong tong chang music that every morning you, you, you will hear. No more loud firecracker sounds that will wake you in the middle of the night and no more ang pao's. And, and for the single out there, you survived. Right? You survived. No more questions. You know, this year, I, you know, for the first few years, uh, first few days of the Chinese New Year, I was uh, away with my parents in, in Thailand, so I escaped most of the questioning. Okay, and so just when I thought that you know, wow, I survived the 15 days, and then on the 16th day of the Chinese New Year, I mean on the 16th day, one day after it, uh, I had lunch with a group of brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, I mean in, in our church and and uh, all the uncles and aunties, and then the question starts. So when are you going to get married? You know, this year, next year, or never? You know, all kinds of questions. Ayo, kena juga, right? Sixteen days, they cannot run away. Okay, so they were all talking, and you know, so maybe we are having fun. But then this one brother just said to me, you know, Wilson, I think this is the best time that you get married. Everybody was shocked, and I was just looking at him and waiting for him to see what he will say. He says, you know, why don't you just tell people, send out the invitation, and say, no, I'm getting married now. All right, this week, now, and I'm inviting all of you for, to my wedding, all right? And, uh, but due to the coronavirus, uh, you, there will be no wedding ceremony, <laughs> no wedding dinner, no need to meet up, uh, and all these things. And by the way, this is the link for my uh, Maybank to you, right, for my Yang Bao. So I was like, oh, wow, that's not bad, right? But anyway, no, I'm not getting married yet. All right, I mean, speaking about meeting together, coming together, like, it makes us think, you know, for the past few weeks, three weeks or so, you know, Pastor Thomas, Pastor Isaac, you know, have been preaching about, you know, meeting together, coming together as the body of Christ. And, and they did a fantastic job, you know, preaching, exegeting all the points and the various uh, teaching in the Bible, why we should come together, why we should be investing in a relationship in this community of faith. So it actually makes my job easy this morning, right? I just have to do a, a, a summary but have you asked yourself, no, after all this, but why still there are people who doesn't like to be a part of the church? Why there are still people who doesn't want to be close, you know, in a community of church? They act as if that this is Wuhan, you know. You know, they come, instead of wearing a face mask, they put a mask that they don't want to reveal themselves to other people. They stay, they, they distance themselves from people. They avoid 
you know, contact with people at all costs. And, and, and when you think about it, you know, it, it, it is true. And then sometimes we ask ourselves, now why people don't like to go to church? Well, when I, I mention people, I, I'm talking about those able bodies, just like what Pastor Isaac said, the able, not, not about those who are sick or have special circumstances that they have to be at home. But those who are able body, they can come and they can worship together. Why are it why they don't want to come to church? Why? There are plenty of reasons. Some may say, oh, you know, I come to church, you know, I try to worship, but that, that pianist, you know, he missed a chord, you know, when he was playing the worship. Then it makes me, you know, I cannot worship anymore. Or maybe, you know, that teenager, when everyone else was praying and then he was, you know, playing with his phone, he was talking to his friend, it gets me distracted, I don't want to come to church. Or maybe, you know, the usher was looking at what I was putting into the offering bag. I get very offended, you know. All kinds of reasons, you know. Oh, yeah, as I came in this morning, nobody shook my hand. It makes this church feel so cold. And you know that Pastor Wilson, when he preached, he made, you know, 10 grammatical mistakes. And he can't even pronounce certain words. I have all kinds of reasons. That's why, you know, people say, I don't bother to go to church at all. There was one university that had a policy that if the professor was 10 minutes late for class, then the whole class will be cancelled. But then there this one day, the professor came into his class, he put his hat on the desk, and then he went to the staff room to do something. He apparently lost track of the time, and when he arrived back to the class, he was already 10 minutes late. And he found that the room was empty. Now, he was furious. So when the next class met, he informed his students, when my head is here, I am here. Well, his class learned that lesson very well. The following day, the professor arrived sharp at 9 o'clock in the morning, and he was met with the sight of 25 hats on the class, but no students. <laughs> See, thank God I'm not preaching to hats today in PCC. All of you are here. You see, sometimes we, we do all kinds of things. We, we, we give all kinds of excuses. We give all kinds of reasons why we do not want to come to church. You know, church is boring. Church is not organized. People are judgmental. People talk more than they listen. People are kapoti. You know, sermon is boring. All kinds. I mean, we have heard it and probably some of us have said it before. There is a church forum website. There was one entry. Someone posted an and this is what he said, all right? He says, I quit going to church this year. I decided that listening to sermons week after week was a stupid thing to do. After all, I went to church for more than 40 years during my lifetime, and I probably heard 5,000 sermons. I can only remember five of them. What a waste of time. And he signed it off with his pen name called Bored and Busy. So this entry sparked, you know, uh, a fury of incoming threats of replies and some people were, you know, uh, uh, wrote and replied and said, no, sermons do actually make a difference, you know. Sermon can change your lives and all this stuff. But there are also other people who sided with this bored and busy uh, opinion and says, yeah, it's true, you know, all these sermons and all these things, they're basically meaningless. Basically, it's unnecessary. And, you know, there are so many replies that finally, 
finally, there was one reply. There was one entry that was posted that ended that debate. You want to know that entry? What did he say? So there is another guy wrote in response to Bored and Busy. He says, I quit eating this year. Thanks to Bored and Busy's insight, I decided that eating week after week was a stupid thing to do. After all, I've been eating for more than 40 years, and during my lifetime, I've probably eaten 5,000 meals. I can only remember five of them. What a waste of time. And he signed off with stuff and stupid. Well, you see, church, sometimes, you know, we give all kinds, all right, all kinds of excuses why we do not want to go to church or why we do not want to be a part of this community of faith. But maybe, maybe, you know, uh, we are here, you know, we are all uh, good people. And we say, no, 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 I do go to church, you know. Uh, uh, Wilson, I do go to church, yes. But just I don't like to be committed. You know, I just don't like to talk to people. So what do I do? I quietly come in. You know, I quietly sit down. I don't talk to people. And then just when, before the service is ending, I'll just sleep out quietly without anyone knowing. Hopefully, no one will notice me. You see, we all, sometimes when we come to church, we come for various reasons. We come for, with different, different reasons. And I just want to point out, there are a few reasons here. Uh, there are three C's that why certain people come to church. First, it's convenient. All right, people come to church because it's convenient, because it's geographically close to their home. PCC is just a few roads away. PCC is just a few blocks away from my house so that, you know, I don't have to get up early. I don't have to spend extra time to travel. I don't even have to brush my teeth. I just come, you know. It's, it's so near. I, I, after all, I'm not talking to anyone, you see. And, and it's near. But, but when I look at it, no, I don't think all of you are like that. You're all, you know, you're all very good. You're not here because, you know, PCC actually, uh, to be honest, is not convenient at all, right? It's right in the middle of the town. Every time when they have a spe- uh, festival, all right, whether it's Visa Day, Taipusama, everywhere will be jammed. And then this morning you come, got no parking. You make rounds and rounds. You have to park very far away. It's not convenient, but you still came. So I thank God for you. Amen? So some people, besides convenience, they come because it's custom, Right? It has been a custom all my life. I have been to church and I've never known a time where I, I did not attend church at all. So when weekend comes, automatically, all right, so I will attend church, right? All my life. So I have to attend church. If I don't attend church, you know, I'll get into withdrawal symptoms. That, that kind of thing. So it's a custom for them. They just have to come. But some come because of conscience. The third C, you know, I just couldn't get by without attending church on Sunday. You know, if I don't go to church on this, I mean, this weekend, you know, I, I feel like something is, is missing in, in my life. I feel like, you know, uh, oh, maybe, maybe, you know, God, Jesus won't bless me, you know, the whole week I'll be sway, you know. So, so I, have to, I have to come, I have to come. You know, for that, that is a matter of a, a conscience, you know, I, I, have to, I have to be here. But whether it's convenient, it's custom, or it's a conscience, you know, to, to this morning, church, I want to encourage every one of us that we will move from all this, from convenient, from custom, from conscience to being 
committed. Everybody say committed. We want to move to be committed to be a part of the church, to be a part of the community of faith. Amen? To be a part of our faith, our church, our community of faith. And you may ask, why? Why? But the reason is very simple because you and I, we have been created for relationship. Everybody say relationship. We have been created. We are created for relationship. When God created Adam, he said that it wasn't good for him to be alone. To be created in God's image, it means to have that desire, to have that desire for fellowship. You see, since the beginning of time, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they have enjoyed perfect love. They have enjoyed perfect fellowship with one another. So, as His image bearer, as His image bearer, we will also desire the same thing. It wasn't good for Adam to be alone because the Trinity wasn't alone. The reason why we desire to belong. That's the reason why we desire to be accepted. We desire to be welcomed. It's innate in every one of us. If you were to be true to yourself, if you were to ask yourself, all of us wants to be, feel belong. Right? All of us wants to feel accepted. Want to feel uh, needed, loved. That's why, that's the reason why all of us need to be a part of the close community of faith in this church. Maybe let's take a look at the cross here. Right, the cross is made out of two lines, one horizontal and one vertical. I believe this is a very good object lesson uh, that we can learn regarding relationship. Let's look at the first line, you know, the vertical line. The vertical line represents our relationship with who? With, with God, all right? Our relationship with God. This is where we, 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 we build our relationship with God by praying, by reading His Word, by listening to Him, waiting upon Him, have fellowship with God. This is what we do as Christians, right? We, we spend time, we, building, we build our relationship with God. But don't forget, there's another line here, the horizontal line. With? with men, with one another, right? This is where we build our relationship with one another. That's why we come together, we spend time, we build relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that makes the cross, the vertical and the horizontal line. So every time when we see the cross, every time when you and I, we look at the cross, I hope that it will remind you that we have to build our relationship with God and also we have to build our relationship with one another, with men, right? Because, you see, when we come to church, we call each other our family. This is a big family of God. That's, is, is, that, is that right? Okay, we call you, you know, brother so-and-so, you know, hi, how are you, sister so-and-so. And, and it, it's true, the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 to 2, it says, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if, as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as 
sisters with absolute purity. Right? We call each other as brothers and sisters. We treat each other like a family members. But do we, re, do we relate to one another as family members? Let us ask ourselves. Maybe we, we check with ourselves. Now, how do you build your relationship with your family members back home? Do you only go home when everyone else is asleep? You know, you wait until everyone else is asleep, then you quietly just sneak into, into your house, go into your room and you sleep. And the next morning, before everyone else is awake, you already left the house. You already left the house. I mean, do, do you call these family members? No, these are not family members. These are called hotel guests. Right? When you say, when you tell yourself we are family, it means that we genuinely care for each other, we actually make time for each other. Yes, as busy as we can be, we try to make time. We try to build relationship with each other. We play together. We travel together. We eat together, laugh together, cry together, cook together. We ask each other, hey, how's your day today? You know, how's your day at school? How's your day at work? And we try to talk to each other. And we desire to bring the best out of each other. Is that right? right? Does that happen in a family? Yeah, it's because we love them. We treat them as our family. And that's how we should be treating one another in our spiritual family in church. Amen? But still, but still we know. We know that there are still some people who are reluctant to commit in this kind of relationship, this kind of deep relationship. They don't want to invest in this relationship. They don't want to relate to one another in church. And you ask them to attend cell group, oh, no, 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 that's a big no-no. Don't talk to me about cell group at all. Why? So as a church, I think we should take time to listen to them. As a church, we need to hear where they are coming from. And I believe they are also valid reasons why people do not want to invest in this kind of relationship. Why? Because relationship is messy. Yes, relationship is messy. There's this famous saying, you know, when there are people, there will be politics. When there are people, there will surely be problem. There will surely be communication breakdown. There will surely be a lot of other issues. And that's the reason why people don't want to commit. They don't want to go deep in the relationship with one another in church. Because they know, you know, once you go deep, a lot of problems. No, just stay casual. Just stay at the surface. You know, each morning, uh, each Sunday morning, you come to church. You hi, brother. Hi, sister. How are you doing? Smile, smile. Now, now, no need to shake hands some more. You know, so good. Just smile and then just walk away. I mean, just, just, just that surface can already. No need to know that person so deep. You know why? Because when you know that person deeper, all right. When you try to get to know the person deeper, then suddenly you see all the horns come out. Huh? Suddenly you see all the horns come out when you first know that person, hey, everything's so good one. But then suddenly as you know more, uh, uh, more years, uh, then, then all the horns come out. It's true, right? how many of you are in a relationship? You know, you're married, you, you, you are in a relationship, you've before. 
Right. Well, when you first know that girl, uh, everything is so nice, you know. Uh, darling, this is what you want. Is this what you want? Yeah, yeah, everything is good. Everything is okay. Suddenly, you know, as the year went by, you know, when you know that person deeper, that girl, you know, oh, everything changed. Just because you forgot to smile when she take photo, okay, cold war three days. Huh? That's because you forgot, you know, when was the, the, the first time you all met, you know, Cold War one week. All kinds of things that you say, yo, what I get myself into all these things. So you see, it's, it's, it's messy. When you, when you develop, you know, when you invest in a relationship, when you, when you go deeper, we know there will be problems. It's like a porcupine, you know, if like two porcupines trying to get close to each other in a cold weather. So when two porcupines coming together, what do they do? They, they poke each other. The closer they get, you know, the, 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 they will poke each other. So it, it happens. Like when we want to build relationship, want to go closer, sometimes we do poke one another. That's the reason why a lot of people, they don't want to commit. Oh, just hi, just bye. Oh, that's it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Everything is fine. That's why people don't want to get into relationship. Secondly, relationship makes us vulnerable. It makes us vulnerable, right? People come and, you know, you, you, you ask you, hey, hey, how are you doing, you know? Is there anything I can pray for you? Then you struggle, like, should I tell this person, you know, all my struggles? Should I ask them for prayer? You know, maybe I'm experiencing this, this uh, issue in my family and I got no one to share to. And finally, you find the courage to share, okay, can you please pray for me, you know, blah, 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 in my family. And then the person, oh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And then the next moment, what happens? Everybody else knows. Not just the cell group knows, you know, it's spread from the cell group to the church. Everybody been sharing your prayer requests, you know. And then it spreads, it spreads so fast, it spreads, you know, faster than the Wuhan virus. <laughs> Anybody talk about the Wuhan virus, you know? Pastor Philip Lin told, told us, you know, he encouraged us, he said, you know, as Christians, we, we, we are not scared of Wuhan because we have Tuhan. <laughs> okay? So let's continue to, to pray. Amen? Yeah, so, you know, relationship makes us vulnerable. And not just that, relationship hurts us. Yes. I mean, why you look so surprised? I mean, relationship hurts us, right? It disappoints us. Spouses disappoint us. Friends betray us. Children rebel against us. Family members die and leave us. I mean, the list can just go on and on and on, Right? Relationship disappoints us. Now, how many of you, you, you would say that you have not been hurt by a relationship? How many of you would say that you have not been disappointed by a relationship in your life? Please raise your hand. Please let me know because, because I want to worship you. <laughs> really? Because I have not seen a people, a person that have not been hurt before. We all know it hurts us. It disappoints us. You see, sometimes we try to help that person. We try to advise, we, we try to counsel, to give help. But then, the next moment, they give up. They walk away. They say very bad things about you. And, or not, they, they do exactly, I mean, the opposite that you have helped ask them to do. And it hurts you. Is that right? And, and the closer you, you are to that person, the more hurt you are, right? The closer you are, the, the more hurt you are. 
you know, I remember there's this youth, I, I mean, I'm pretty close with him, and as he's growing up, you know, and, and from three, you know, he got himself into a, a, a relationship, a very messy relationship with, 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 with a girl, all right? And, you know, I've, uh, you know, just want to help him and say, no, no, you, you shouldn't be in a relationship right now. You know, you should be studying. You know, you should be having, you know, you putting God first. Put your studies first. No, don't go and go, go and have this kind of relationship. Oh, yes, yes, pastor. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then the next moment, he went to tell the girl. Hey, pastor say, I uh, cannot talk to you, you know. Pastor say, uh, you are a bad, bad girl, uh. And then the girl got so angry. Oh, this pastor, you know, talk bad about me, you know, in bed. Then, wow, I tell you, I, I, was, I was really hurt, you know. I was like, wow, what, 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 what did happen? You see, sometimes it hurts us. More often than not, you know, relationship uh, hurts us and disappoints us. And we know. The list can just go on and on, right? All of us know. I don't have to give you a lot of examples, but we do know that relationship makes us vulnerable. The relationship hurts us, disappoints us. And this morning, you know, we, we, when we talk about this, we know that, yes, we are created for relationship. But then relationships can be messy. But at the same time, relationships can also be rewarding too. Relationships can also be rewarding Right? There are always two sides of, of the coin. Now you ask yourself, now how can relationships be rewarding then? Well, you see, first of all, when we invest in a relationship, then we will be stretched. Then we will be stretched. We will be taken out of our comfort zone. And we will do things that normally when we are by ourselves, we will not do. Now, how are we stretched? Now, one very good reason, uh, uh, um, thing that I can think of is that we will grow in our spiritual life. We will grow in our spiritual life. When I first became a Christian, that was in, you know, when I was in secondary school, I, I, I came and joined the church, I joined the service, and I, I didn't know how to read the Bible. I didn't know how to understand God's Word. I don't even know how to pray. When I come to church in the last setting, I, quick, I quietly come, sit down, and I quietly go. I don't talk to people. And nobody knows. Nobody even, I mean, they will not find out whether I know how to pray. They, don't, they won't find out whether I know how to read the Bible. Until when I start to join a cell group where there are lesser people, then you see, oh, you're a beginner, they ask people to pray. So every time when the cell group almost ends, when it's almost prayer time, you know what will I do? I say, I, I need to go to the toilet. So I will go to the toilet, excuse myself, and just wander for a while, and after the cell leader has assigned all the prayer requests, then I will come back and amen, praise the Lord. Because I don't know how to pray. So, you know, this kind of trick, you cannot use a lot of times. After a few rounds, you know, my cell leader already know, okay, this is my tactic, all right? He says, no, no, Wilson, you sit down. You are going to pray. I'm like, but I don't know how to pray. Never mind, we will teach you. Now say, dear father. <laughs> so this is how I, I've learned. This is how I'm stretched. And that's how I grow in my spiritual life. All right, we learn to pray, not just pray, we learn to read the Bible. All right, we encourage each other how to read the Bible. Uh, we ask ourselves how to apply it in our lives. And one more thing, fasting. Oh, yo, I tell you, fasting is the most difficult spiritual discipline in my life. All right, I must tell you, I can never do it alone. Every time we tell ourselves, you know, we're going to fast, 
And you go home, and my mom will cook very delicious things. Well, those dishes that I always wanted to eat, I don't know, 365 days she never cooked. Only when I fast, she will cook. And I oh, yo, maybe, you know, I fast tomorrow. La. Then your friend say, no, 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 you say you're going to fast today. Uh, the fast, la, fast. La. You know, sometimes it's like that. I remember there was one time in ISA, we, we were asked to fast, you know, for a long hours. I don't know how many hours already. You know, it's so difficult. It's so difficult. And when you fast, huh, you cannot pray. You think of Hokkien Mee, la, fried rice, la, all these things. So that's why we need one another to, to help us, to encourage us, to grow together with us. Amen? There was this man from the big city, you know. He was riding his car. He was driving his car and he was going to the countryside, you know, a relaxing drive in the countryside. And then suddenly a dog ran in front of his car and he swerved to miss the dog, and, but he lost control of his car and the whole car, you know, ended up into a big long gang, right? So after a few unsuccessful attempts, you know, he couldn't get his car out of the big long gang, so the man just came out, he sat on the, uh, on the bumper of his car and he was very uh, uh, sad and he was waiting for help to arrive. He didn't have to wait long. Uh, a farmer who lived just down the road, he came to his aid and he brought along a very big, powerful looking horse. So the farmer quickly took the horse, tied the horse onto the car's bumper, and when the road was secured, the farmer started to shout. The farmer shouted, Pull! Nelly, pull! But then the horse didn't move. Then the farmer yelled, Pull! Coco, pull! Then the horse didn't move at all. Then the, 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 the farmer continued, Pull! Archie, pull! And still the horse didn't want to move. Finally, finally, the, the, the farmer shouted, Pull! Buddy, pull! And then the horse started to drag the car out from the long gang with very little effort, just drag it out like that. So this man, he was very appreciative of the help. But at the same time, he was very curious. So he went to ask the farmer. He says, hey, by the way, uh, why did you call out four names when your horse only responded to one? So the farmer smiled and looked at him and replied. He says, oh, Buddy is blind. And if he thought he was the only one that's pulling, he wouldn't even try. So that's the reason why he has to call four other, other names. So they think that, he thinks, Buddy thinks that, you know, there are other horses that pull together. You see, sometimes, uh, just like Buddy, we all need one another to bring out the best in us. Amen? We need one another to bring out the best in us. That's why God created you and I to be in this community of faith. That's why He created us to be a part of this church of His believer so that we can all grow, so that we can all bring out the best in all of us. Close relationships will help us through different life stages, whether it is birth, whether it's sickness, whether it's your final year exam, studies, cancer, anything, and even 
death. When we have close relationship with one another, we know that we are not going through it alone. We know that we can rely on each other to encourage. We can rely on each other to comfort, to give strength, and to move on. Amen? That's what close relationship can help us. It will journey together with us. I remember a few years ago, one of the young adults' father passed away after battling with, you know, uh, some serious sickness. When he passed away, when we got the news, it was already 2 o'clock in the morning. And so, you know, I I went with another leader to, to go there to offer support. But you know, when I arrived at the hospital at two something in the morning, to my surprise, there were already a lot of cell members and friends who were already there. The members of the parent cell group have already arrived long before I was there, long before even the family themselves arrived. And they were there already. They, they, when they arrived, they were hugging and they were crying and they were comforting each other at two, three o'clock in the morning in the hospital. The cell members, they were all there helping from the moment until the funeral is over and they continue to care. They continue to reach out to this family even months after the funeral is over. And that is the community of faith in action. That is the community of faith in action. I tell you, church, relationship is very important. It's very important to help us through the different stages of life. I cannot stress you know, enough, and, and especially for the younger generation, we call them the millennials, we call them the Zen Z, whatever name we call them, you know, they're the younger ones. And I tell you, they need relationship. They need closed relationship to help them through their lives. You know, I've led the youth, the ISCA, for many years. And when we first started to adjust, you know, from, from you know, the, cell, the normal cell group to a youth cell group uh, uh, on Friday night, you know, we, we were faced with so many uh, uh, questions and all these things. So some parents, uh, they, 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 they brought their children, they drove their youth to Friday cell group. I just want to salute all of them. I know it's not easy. You have to brave the Friday jam. You have to send your children to the cell group. Then after that, you have to rush to your own cell group and then you were late and then after that, you have to rush back to pick them up. I know it's a big inconvenience, but you still did it. You still did it, and I just want to thank you because, you know, by supporting them, by allowing them to be a part of this, it helps them to build relationship with one another. It helps them to build relationship. You now, some people say, Ayo, you know, why don't we go attend youth cell group? They don't learn anything, one they don't learn the Bible, one what, what, what? One thing I know is they build relationship. Besides learning the Bible, besides, you know, growing, but they do build very meaningful friendship. And I want to tell you, church, This relationship, this friendship that they built is the friendship that will journey with them, that will support them in their life journey. Your teenagers will definitely go through certain ups and downs and you need their friends. They need their friends to to journey with them, to encourage them. 
I remember there was one parent who came to me and said, sorry, Wilson, you know, I, I don't believe in all these things. I will not send my children to, to the youth group. I will not, be, I will not I, let, let them come to the, uh, the, uh, to the youth cell group or ISCA. You know, I'd rather want them to study at home, you know, because, you know, they, have, they, they, they are so busy. So maybe they study at home. It's okay. It's perfectly okay, you know, and I honor parents for that. But the thing is, you know, I, the exact parents after a few years, you know, when the, the, the youth finally grows up, you know, in college years, I remember one day I received a call from the mother and said, you know, oh, Pastor Wilson, oh, we need your help. Can you please send someone? Can you please come to talk to my son? My son is going through a tough time, you know, he wants to commit suicide. He's doing all these things behind our bed and I'm very scared. I don't know who else I can turn to and my son don't know, uh, has no other friends. Can you please come and talk? I, 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 I would come and talk. I will talk. But the thing is, you know about the generation nowadays, the youth nowadays, you don't just go there and say, hey, you know, I'm your pastor. You must listen to me. They don't care whether you're the pastor or you're the prime minister. If you have no relationship, they will not listen to you. Right? As parents, you all know, right? Sometimes you can, you, you can tell your children, you know, 10 times, 20 times, 100 times, they... Sometimes they don't want to listen to you, but when they have their mentors, their close friends, they only tell one time, two times, oh, they say, how can they listen? One? That's why we all need one another to grow, to journey together. It's through all the interaction with one another that they will find connection, that they will find friendship, they will find encouragement and support as they navigate, uh, uh, navigate through the, relation, the, the, the journey in, in life. Relationship is very important. Now, I just want to pass this time to Bernice. Bernice will come and share with us how relationship affects her life. Let's welcome her. Um, community is so important. A case, um, for example, a case in point is whenever Pastor Wilson preaches, it takes a whole village to get him to the pulpit. You know, um, recently when asked how my brother Ben and Hazel, my sister-in-law, they're coping with the loss of their firstborn son, they mentioned um, two things that have been so important. Number one, faith. And number two, having community. You know, during David's last hours on earth, their cell members, they left work early to camp at the hospital to provide support. When David passed away, it was stepping in to help them with funeral arrangements and then later on making meals for Ben and Hazel. Oh, their cell leader cooked bakute for them. So the cell members, they were so supportive, ferrying my parents to and fro from the hospital. They are not from Penang. Um, PCC church members as well, who really supported us and prayed for us, we really felt the love. That's community. It's not just giving but receiving when we're at the lowest valley of our lives. I remember when we got the news that Hazel was in labor, that was way too early. And after that, when David was fighting for his life, that sense of helplessness was so real. There's something about being far away, you know, and that added to the desperate situation. I'm um, very, very thankful. Actually, 14th of February, Friday, was supposed to be David's due date. And I had friends offered, you know what, can we spend the day with you to help you get through the day? There's something valuable about having community that 
reminds you that Jesus does all things well. I grew up in a cell group and I cannot emphasize how important it has been for me in every stage and every season of my life. From, you know, when we first joined PCC, we were a very young family and, you know, they help um, carry us through, they provide support for us. Um, and it, even from there, I gained lifelong friendships that has been so helpful for me. I also credit my love for the Word of God to my IGC teachers. They've really helped me. I must say sometimes I get very lazy, but my community of people, they keep me going. I remember just this week, um, I'm a mental health practitioner, so I was asked to stand in as a counsellor to the people of Wuhan who have been affected by the coronavirus or who have lost family members to it. My, in in my initial reaction was like, mm, you know, God, I have so much to do already. You know, I don't even know how to say COVID-19 in Mandarin. And so on Tuesday, I went to cell group. And in cell group, we were doing the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the title was, Who is my neighbor? And I thought, oh God, you know, you are speaking so clearly to me. And I said, okay, so after much encouragement from my people, I agreed that, okay, you know what, let me just offer some help. So in conclusion, we're not spared from the storms of life, but we have the option of having people inside the boat with us. Thank you. Thank you, Bernice. Yes, we have the options of having people in the boat together with us. That is what relationship is all about, to have the people to journey together with us. This is God's ideal uh, uh, picture of what community is about. This is God's picture of what, you know, a family, a community of faith is all about. Relationships with one another will help us through life stages will help us through life stages. And, and you know, there are so many things to, to talk about, about this, but like just now what I say, relationship helps us to grow, relationship, uh, and it will help us not just to grow, but it will help us in the life stages as well. Right, as we come to a close this morning, as we come to a close this morning, I want to, challenge each of us to just think, to pause and think for ourselves. Have we invested in this kind of relationship? Have we invested in this kind of relationship that will help us to grow, that will help us to journey through the life stages? doesn't matter whether you're a child, you're a youth, young adults, adult seniors, we all need one another as we go through the different life stages. And that, are, that is why, that is why, you know, for the past one month, we have been teaching, asking, encouraging you to invest in this relationship. As, as we close, you know, what other reasons we, we want to be in a relationship? What other reasons that, you know, we should be in the church community uh, very quickly, there are a few other reasons. First, because God speaks through a community. We find that in the Old Testament, there are so many, you know, uh, 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 times that God spoke to the Israelites, the wandering Israelites community from time to time. 
Then fast forward to the New Testament. We see in Acts where God speaks to the community, uh, especially in Jerusalem Council and in the event where they sent uh, Paul and Barnabas. You know, God spoke to the community as, as the whole. You know, God still speaks to community. And community is the context in which we discern what God is saying. Community is the context in which we discern what God is saying. Sometimes we ask ourselves, what should I do in this current situation? Should I change my job? Should I accept this job transfer? Should I go for this cancer treatment? Should I marry this girl or this guy? What is God saying to me? You know, sometimes it's so difficult to discern God's voice, God's will, especially when you are faced with the circumstances. And this is a time where your close community of faith, your close relationship that you have invested will help you to gather, to discern the will of God. Amen? Ecclesiastes 4, chapter 9, verse 12. That's why it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other out. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them out. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. How can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, this is not a passage on marriage. I've heard so many times people read this passage on, uh, for their wedding. I, I don't think so. I don't think it's for marriage unless you believe in three. <laughs> but I believe this is for, you know, relationship with one another, how we can help, one, how we can support one another. It says, you know, in verse 12 particularly, it says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves and ends a court of three strands is not quickly broken. Pastor Isaac have done a very good object lesson. Do you still remember the call of three strands are not quickly broken? And yes, relationships can be messy, but relationship can also be rewarding. It will make us grow. It will force us to do what we will not do by ourselves. It will force us to do what we will not do when we just avoid this relationship. Sometimes we do, right? We avoid relationship. We just want to stay safe. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, there is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around the hobbies with little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up in a safe in a casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. You see, for Lewis, 
and for all of us, love means opening up our hearts. Love means opening up our hearts to pain and to sorrow. And you say, no, I don't want pain. I, I don't want sorrow. And the only alternative to that is to live without love, to be alone forever. But we know that we are not created for such lonely existence. Am I right? We are not created for such lonely existence. When God made you and I, when God made us, He made us with feelings. He made us with emotion. He made us to love and to be loved. That is why all of us, like what I said in the beginning, we all desire companionship. We desire affection, fellowship. And all this requires us to open up our souls to one another, thus making us vulnerable to relational pain. But yet, we are all doing it because we know we are built for more than that. Amen? We are built for more than that. So, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? We know that relationships is important. So, what do we do? So, first, just let us learn to accept one another. Accept one another. That's the first thing we need to do. Why? Because we are all made different. We all have different personalities, attitude, aptitude, different backgrounds, different upbringing, and most importantly, we have different stories behind us. So let's not judge one person when you don't even know what's their story. Don't judge them when you do not really know them. So we have to learn to accept one another. Tim Keller said, you know, churches should feel more like a waiting room for a doctor and feel less like a waiting room for a job interview. He says like, you know, for a job interview, everyone try to look competent. Everyone try to look impressive as we can, right? Weaknesses unburied and hidden. We won't tell people in the job interview, you know, when everyone is waiting in the room, you won't be telling, hey, you know, this is my weakness, huh? I tell you first. No, you won't. You will, you will look competent. But it's different in the doctor's waiting room. We assume everyone seated outside there is sick. We know that everyone is sick. We don't have to tell people, hey, I'm sick. Huh? Are you sick? No, everyone else, we know we are sick there. And we need God's, we need the doctor's help. We are going to see the doctor. And I feel that this scene, all right, a waiting room for the doctor in the hospital should be more like our church. When we learn to, when we know that each of us, we are all sinners saved by grace. That's how we learn to accept one another. Amen? And when we can finally accept one another, then it will be easy for us to forgive one another. Forgive one another. Because yes, I tell you, as long as you invest in relationship, as long as you want to go deeper, you will wrong people. And people will disappoint you. So we have to learn to forgive one another. And, and you know, I can just go on and on, but do you know that at least, at least 59 verses in the Bible that tells us about this one another. Tells us about how to live with one another, relate in one another as we invest in this relationship. 
They got love one another, forgive each other, uh, regard each other higher than yourself, teach and correct one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, bear each other's burden, befriend with one another, kind, compassionate, generous in hospitality, serve one another, submit to one another. And you know, this, this, this list go on and on, but this is a short glimpse of, you know, the one another command. But it's enough to remind us that all of us need this one another. Amen? All of us need this community of faith to grow up in Christ. Yes. It is expected. These are to be expected. Christ has not returned yet. We have not reached glory. We will continue to fail and disappoint each other. That's why we need one another to grow, to be built up, to be supported until Jesus Christ comes again. And that is why Pastor Isaac preached last week about Hebrews 10, 24, 25. It says, let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more you see the day approaching. And how exactly we do all this? We do this because we love them. We learn to love them. The Bible says, A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. Lastly, we are all created for relationship. But sometimes when we talk about this, a lot of us, we think that we are only created in a relationship in, on earth, in this lifetime. But no, this is far from the truth because community doesn't end here when our life is over. God intended that our community continues. Our fellowship continues. Even our life is over. When we get to heaven, we will continue to have the community. We'll still be with God, enjoying His presence and be with one another and as we close and the worship team comes back i just want to close with this example of the red wood tree i believe god gave us this great example in nature of the principle of the giant redwoods the giant redwoods is found in california it's very tall and a very strong trees but the thing is you won't find them standing alone because the root system of the redwoods is so shallow and if they stand alone, they will be blown over in a strong wind. So they stand together with the root system that intertwines, intertwines with the other trees that give them the strength. And one thing that's very interesting is that, you know, they, the roots of the redwood trees, they will only intertwine with the roots of other redwoods. In other words, you know, like they, they will only intertwine with their own kind, you know, to, to have that support. Sometimes when we look at the giant redwoods, I believe it reminds us this is how we need to live our lives. As believers, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to live in close connection with one another so that we can support each other, not just when the storm blows, but at all times. Right? Sometimes we may feel that, oh, I'm well, I'm okay, everything is going fine with me. We thank God for that, but do you actually know when your storm will come? 
Do you know actually when your storm will come? It may not happen to you, but it may happen to your close, close ones, your family members. It, may, it will happen, right? We all lived long enough. We know that things will happen in our lives. And when it happens, are you ready? Do you have relationships, friends that will journey together with you, that will support you? When we put up down some of the roots of our faith, we need to make sure that they touch and connect with the faith of others so you and I, we can grow stronger together. Amen? No one, no one is to go through life alone. God created us for relationship. And God wants to challenge us to invest in this relationship, to help one another, to journey with one another, to encourage one another. Remember the four C's, the convenience, custom, conscience, and lastly, committed. As we close, let's ask the Holy Spirit to check our hearts, examine our hearts. Where are you now in your journey? Are you in a convenience stage, custom, conscience? If there's any, I want to encourage all of us to move from all this to be committed. Let's make a commitment to be a part of the community, a part of this fellowship, a part of this cell group where we can support, encourage, and we can pray for one another. Let's invest in meaningful relationship. And to some of us, I know you're already in cell group. I know you're already in church. I thank God for you. But let's continue to take a further step to go the second mile, to reach out for one another, especially those who do not belong in this cell, in the church. Maybe let's take time to really ask, hey, how are you? How can I pray for you? Is there anything that I can journey together with you? All of us go through different situations. If only we stop and look at around us. If only we learn to invest in the relationship. I believe that's what God's idea of why He put us together as His family members. So let's allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. If you are here and you, you have not been in a church, in a cell group, and you want to, please, you know, go to the admin counter. We'll put, give us your name and contact, and we'll be so glad to connect you. And for those of all of us here, let's allow God to just speak to us challenge us into this commitment as brother have been lead us in the song let's make us make this our prayer this morning as we conclude shall we come shall we arise